Can you see him? That's what we're talking about today. That's our series. And the scripture that we're going to read is in the book of Acts. I'm going to ask you if you would stand with me as we read this together. It's a familiar story. And uh, I think most of you have probably read it before. But uh, here's how it goes. And it's, it's 18 verses, so I'm going, to, I'm going to move through it quickly. If you have your Bible and you want to follow along, we're reading out of the version that's called God's Word. Saul kept threatening to murder the Lord's disciples, and he went to the chief priests and asked him to write letters of authorization to the synagogue leaders in the city of Damascus. Saul wanted to arrest any man or woman who followed the way of Christ and imprison them in Jerusalem. As Saul was coming near the city of Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him, and he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? And Saul asked, Who are you, sir? The person replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Get up and go into the city, and you'll be told what you should do. Meanwhile, the men traveling with him were speechless. I bet, don't you? And they heard the voice, but they didn't see anyone. And Saul was helped up from the ground. When he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him into Damascus, and for three days he couldn't see and he didn't eat or drink. And a disciple named Ananias lived in the city of Damascus. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias? Ananias answered, Yes, Lord. The Lord told him, Get up, go to Judas' house on Straight Street. They had a straight street. That's kind of cool. And ask for a man named Saul from the city of Tarsus. He's praying in a vision. He's seen a man named Ananias place his hands on him to restore his sight. And Ananias replied, Lord, I've heard a lot of people tell about the many evil things this man has done to your people in Jerusalem. Saul has come here to Damascus with authority from the chief priest to put anyone who calls on your name in prison. I get where he's going, don't you? And the Lord told Ananias, go to the chosen, this man, Go, I've chosen this man to bring my name to nations, to kings, and to the people of Israel. And I'll show him how much he has to suffer for the sake of my sake. Ananias left and entered Judas' house. And after he placed his hands on Saul, Ananias said, Brother Saul, I like that, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way to Damascus sent me to you. He wants you to see again and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like fish scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. Then Saul stood up and was baptized. Pray with me. Father, thank you for the story here. It's a true story. And thank you for the illustrations that are in this that speak to us today and give us hope. May we hear a word from you, God. I ask you to be with me, and may your Holy Spirit use me and speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I love the book of Acts. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible, and uh, as a matter of fact, I'm leading two share groups now uh, uh, with uh, where we're doing the book of Acts. On Sunday evenings, there's a series called AD. I don't know if any of you are familiar with this. Guys, some of you watching it, and this follows along with the book of Acts in the early church. You know, it's interesting when you see what happened in the early church, because they started with a small group of people, but they had a big guy. And they began to proclaim the gospel. And in the first chapter, it goes through. And then you see in the second chapter, the day of Pentecost comes. In the later on chapters, you know, this thing's going, I mean, the gospel's going forward, man. I love that story in the book of Acts where Peter and John are walking along and there's a guy standing by the gate. And, and they go by and this guy says, hey, you got any change or something like that? And Peter, John looks at him, Peter looks down at him and says, you know what? Silver and gold have I none. 
but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus, get up. And they preached this gospel boldly, but what was happening was they were being persecuted on the flip side. Uh, you know, the political people that were involved at the time, the, and there was also some of the Jewish people were like really disgruntled with what happened because they were wreaking havoc. People were converting to this thing called the way. They were called the way before they were called Christians. They're called Christians later on in the book of Acts at Antioch, but they're called the way. So anyway, this is happening, and the, the chief guy that's leading this persecution is this guy named Saul. Now, you and I know him as Paul, and they call him Paul later in the book of Acts. Are you following me? Am I moving too fast? You with me? I have a tendency to get excited when I talk about the Lord. Yes, sir. So anyway, Saul's out there, and he's persecuting these people. In fact, he was even there when they stoned Stephen. He was kind of the one that headed that up, and Stephen died, and Saul was standing there orchestrating this thing, so to speak. Can you imagine? And then all of a sudden, he gets a, 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 an order to go to this, this other place called Damascus, and he's on the road, and he's riding along on his horse. You know, I can see this kind of happening. Now, Saul was a Jew Pharisee. He was a Jewish Pharisee. And to be a Pharisee, you had to keep 613 rules. Wow. I mean, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, is the way I understand it. He was educated. It was like he went to the university or whatever it was, you know, the Ivy League school. He understood. He was smart. He knew the scriptures. And here he is riding along on his horse thinking he's doing the right thing, going after these Christians. They're actually going in and pulling them out of their houses and persecuting them and dragging them out. Man, you ever wonder what you would do if you lived in that time? Huh? It's like I heard a guy preach one time said, would there be enough evidence to convict on the Christian, for me to be a Christian? You know what I'm saying? These people would come into their homes, they'd drag them out. And, and go after them. I, you know, I'm thinking persecution is when I've got to wait in line on Sunday after the other group of church people in front of me. This was some serious persecution that was going on. And they continued to preach boldly. And so Paul's riding along on his horse. I can just see this, you know. And he's, he's got his mission, man. He's, he's going to get it done. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, bam, knocked him off of the horse. You ever been knocked off your horse? Yeah. And here's the thing. Saul thought he was doing the right thing. And he's down there, and he's, all of a sudden this light was so bright. And by the way, this episode is on tonight. And it was, it was a God thing the way it worked out, because I, I didn't plan this. And then I saw, I wish it had been on last week. I could have got some more sermon material probably. But, but tonight, if you get a chance, watch it. I saw the preview of it, and this light was like, I mean, it was bright, and he couldn't see, and he fell down, and you read, we read the story here, and he saw that Jesus was the light of the world right there, number one. Jesus is the light of the world. The persecution of the church didn't stop, but Saul had a conversion experience right here in the middle of this situation. My throat is. Saul's conversion was so real that he completely turned and he followed what the Lord told him to do. Do you remember when you got saved, when you made that faith commitment? Do you remember that? Were you guys going around telling everybody about Jesus? Were you? Or was you just excited on the inside? Are you there? 
Yeah, I mean, you remember you were like, man, I've been forgiven, you know, and Saul's blinded for three days. He goes to this guy's house, and he gets this thing, tells him what to do. And I can imagine Ananias is like, who is you bringing this guy to my, Lord? I mean, there's all kinds of characters in this story, right? What if God told you to take somebody in like that? Somebody that's been persecuting the church. He takes him in, he prays over him, the scales fall off of his eyes, and guess what? He's got a brand new pair of eyes. He's looking through a new pair of goggles, so to speak, isn't he? And his world was forever changed. And you know what knocked him off of that horse? Grace. Grace. <clears throat> Jesus initiated the first step. And that's the way he works, isn't it? Jesus initiates grace. God makes the first move. Romans 8, 5, 8 says, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Aren't you grateful for that today? I love that old song. It says, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all my sin. Wonderful song. God initiated the first move. It was grace that changed him into a man full of grace. He was this zealous person persecuting the church and all of a sudden things changed you know sometimes grace isn't always pleasant grace is unmerited favor sometimes it's not pleasant sometimes it's very difficult and tough any of you raise kids <laughs> you know I, I feel like every time i'm up here i talk about my kids but really that's about all i have in life is my kids and and that's all i want really except for the lord but I remember my oldest daughter, um, and she said I could use her as an example. I've done that before, she used her example. But I remember there were some times as she got older that, you know, grace was hard for, for extending to her. But God pursues us in grace through Jesus Christ. And we encounter him. And, you know, the, the beautiful thing about this is when you realize that, you have a tendency to want to share that, don't you? Come on, are you out there? Paul was the preacher, ex, uh, speaker, and exhorter of grace in the New Testament. Do you realize, and, I, and, I, and I, I had to verify this. Let me read this because Jesus never was recorded as using the term grace in all of the writings other than when Paul heard him during the vision or the trance. Nowhere in the Gospels. He uses the word grace with Paul and he says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for thee. You wonder why he didn't say that word? It's because he was grace. He exemplified grace. He showed grace. Grace, grace. Time after time, he extended and reached out to people. God loves you that much. And he loves me that much that he sent his only son to die on a cross that we could have eternal life. That's great news today. Paul received forgiveness. And then you know what he did? He proceeded to go out and preach this message of forgiveness. And he wrote 14 of the 27 books in the New Testament. And you find him in that, in that man, he's going places. He's doing things. He's being persecuted. He's being beaten. He's taking a, taking a hit, man, on you know for the gospel's sake can you imagine you saw him at the stoning of stephen and you look up and here comes this guy preaching the gospel 
That's what Jesus can do in our lives if we'll let him. It can turn you around. It can change the way you look at things. And when you've accepted grace and forgiveness, it's easier to forgive. When you recognize it like Paul did. But not only that, when you forgive, there's a freeing in that, isn't there? You ever had something with somebody where it was like, man, you know, I, whew, somebody did me wrong and, and I, it's hard for me to forgive. You ever had that? I mean, you know, several years ago, I was in a situation where I had a, uh, one of those things come up in my life. And it was one of those deals where I, I just took my breath. I can't forgive. I, I got to forgive. I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to forgive because Jesus said to forgive, Right? And so, I'm just going to be straight up with you. I have a little prayer list that I keep. I have a little journal book that I keep. And there's all these names in there. Because I, you know, it takes me sometimes a long time to read all those. So I lay my hand on them when I pray sometimes. And I go, Lord, you know the situation in each of these. And, and I'm just sharing that with you. Not trying to sound pious or self-righteous. But that's the way I do it. And so this person that I got into a, a situation with, I put his name in there. And when I first started praying for him, can I be honest with you? I didn't mean it. But I was trying to do what God said to do because that's what he says to do. Pray for those who've done wrong against you. Pray for those that's despiteful. Pray for them. Hopefully they're praying for you. And you know what happened? Ten years went by. Just so happened that I was friends with his family and some of them would call me and um, I said... uh, They'd say, how are you doing? How's he doing? You guys talk? I'd say, I don't know. We haven't talked. I'm waiting for him to call me. (laughs) Yeah. Ooh. And one day I got a call. They said, a member of this family had died, and they wanted me to sing at the funeral. And I went to the funeral, and this person that we were having the issues with was there. And I walked in, and he looked up at me like, what are you going to do? And I walked up to him, and you guys know I don't like hugging, right? And I walked up to him, and I said, can I have a hug? And he hugged me, standing at a casket. We hugged. Now, what happened in that situation was grace intervened. And uh, not that I did anything right, but prayer changed things. There's more to this story. Got to where we started calling each other about three or four times a year. And he called me about two years ago, and he said, hey, buddy. How you doing? I said, I'm doing okay. How are you? And he said, well, I'm not too good. He said, I've been diagnosed with an illness. And I don't have long. And I want to ask you a favor. Will you sing at my funeral? (laughs) Grace. Grace changes everything. It changed it for Paul. It's changed it in my life. It'll change it in yours, and I'm sure it has. How does that work? I don't know, but I know it does. I know it works. I know it works. And if you're struggling with that, I want to encourage you to stay in the Word of God, and I want to encourage you to pray. Pray for grace. Pray for more grace in your life. And then when you do that, do it some more. Keep doing it. Don't you give up. And you pray for grace until it's resolved God's begun a good work in you 
as a Christ follower. You know, the other thing that changes when these situations, like I was talking about, happen is that, that when you focus on the eternal, it kind of changes the temporary, doesn't it? Do you hear what I'm saying? I mean, when you put things in perspective of eternity, I'm 56 years old. The average male, I think they say, passes away somewhere between 75 and whatever. It's just like this. Just like this, isn't it? Life is a vapor. James talks about that. Paul began his journey because he saw Jesus. It changed his life. And we today are here because we have experienced Jesus in our life and we want to share that with other people. The people that started this church some hundred and whatever years ago it was, 80, 90, I don't know exactly. I'm close, I think. Their vision was to share the gospel. That's the mission and the purpose of this church. And may we never lose sight of what God has called us to do. Had another situation one day where I was going through something and I was walking along. Well, first of all, I, I won't tell you this. I got two girls, and one of them's 30 something and the other one's 20 something. I know I should be ashamed of that. One of them's 32, I think, and the other one's 23, 24, something like that. She got a birthday this week. I don't even know how old I am. I say 55, 56, back and forth if you're listening. So when my kids were little, they, they, they came out with these, these, uh, these uh, different things, these games and these maze things. And so I asked Pete to, uh, to, to pull these, and let's talk about this a little bit, because it, it has to do with where we're looking. I'm talking about looking at things in a bigger picture, looking at things, you know, that you like to do. Now, when my little girls were little, they brought this book home, and this is called Where's Waldo? Any of you ever do this? I don't know if you can really see. It looks like a quilt on there, but any of you ever do? There's this little thing, this little guy named Waldo, and he's hidden in those pictures. Now, wait a minute, Pete. Take that. Hold up. I got this. So you see all that? Now, you can imagine how my mind races. And so I've got a three- or four-year-old and a seven-year-old, and they bring this thing home, and they want me to find this little guy in the picture. Man, I'm just trying to do the daddy thing, and I'm trying to look really hard, you know. But the problem was I wasn't focusing on anything. Now hit it, Pete. There's Waldo. See his little striped shirt, those of you that know? It's kind of hard to see from out there. You know, this stuff's complicated, but when you really focus, you see where it's at. Let's do the next one. You remember these? My wife is addicted to these things. She goes to bed with the iPad, and she's got these on there, and she finds words. Look at all that. Do you see any words in there? But when you start focusing on it, there's the words. I didn't do that. Pete did. It's when you focus, when you really get your mind on what you're looking for. You're looking for a specific thing. You're looking for Waldo. You're looking for these words. Any of you guys like to do these? They got some that are bent and so forth. This one right here liked to drove me nuts when my kids brought it home. They bought a calendar. And they bring this calendar home, and it's got a hidden picture. Don't do it yet, Pete. It's got a hidden picture within it. And we, were, I was, we come up here the other day, and we were trying to see if you could see this. And it, it, these calendar books, you're looking, at, you're looking at this piece of paper, and my little girl goes, there it is, Dad. There's such and such in that picture, like a duck or a swan or whatever. And I'm going, I don't see anything but a lot of colors. She goes, put it up on your nose. And I thought it was a joke, so I'm standing there with this thing on my nose. She goes, now pull it back, and I'm pulling it back. And I'm, you know what I'm talking about? You ever done that? And then when you do this, here you go, now hit it, Pete. 
there's a soldier in there. But if you look across the top, there's actually, I think there's one, two, three, four, five. Is there five? Yeah, six. Okay, see, you can see it from there. I still can't see it. My point in this is you have to focus sometimes. You have to look sometimes. And when you get focused on things, it'll change the way your perspective is. And what I'm telling you today is Saul, his focus was changed, and he looked to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. It changed his life. And if you and I will focus on Jesus, it'll change our lives. It'll change the way you think. It'll change the way you go forward. I don't want to encourage you to do that today. I was going through a downtime in my life several years ago, and a guy walked up to me and he said, hold your hand out. And I said, okay. And he reached out and he handed me something. He stuck it in my hand. And it went like this, you know, how you do this, and you drop it. And he dropped it in my hand, and what it was is a little cross. I want to read this to you, and I want you to listen to me. And it says this, the cross in my pocket. I carry a cross in my pocket. It's a simple reminder to me of the fact that I am a Christian, no matter where I go or where I may be. This little cross is not magic. Do you hear me? It's not magic, nor is it a good luck charm. It wasn't meant to protect me from every physical harm. It's not for identification. It's not for all the world to see. It's simply an understanding between me and my Savior. When I put my hand in my pocket to bring out a coin or a key, the cross is there to remind me of the price that he paid for me. It reminds me, too, to be thankful for the blessings day by day and to strive to serve him better in all that I do and all that I say. It's also a daily reminder of peace and comfort that I share with all who know my master and give themselves to his care. So, I carry the cross in my pocket reminding no one but me that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life, if only I will let him be. He dropped that cross in my pocket, and I carried it for years. In fact, it was wore out. If you look on here, it says God loves you, and there's a symbol at the bottom, and that's keros, and that has a reference to Jesus. I'm giving this to you today, and I hope you don't take it wrong. It's not a lucky charm. It's just a thing to put in your pocket to remind. It really blessed my heart, and I carried it until I wore it thin, and one day, I ran into this guy. I was in sales, Laura, traveling all the time, flying on airplanes, you know. You know how that goes, you're tired, and I was wore out, and this guy sat down next to me. And that morning, I prayed, Lord, give me somebody to talk to. And I was on this airplane, and I, I, got, so, I got to where I was flying. So you guys want to race? I got to where I was flying so often that I would fall asleep before the plane would talk, take off. That's how many hours I flew. You, you know what I'm talking about, because she's a, she's a frequent flyer. And I said, Lord, that morning before I left my hotel, I had my little book, and I prayed, and I said, Lord, give me somebody to talk to. And I got on a plane, and, you know, they stuck me in the rear very back seat over in a corner I didn't like those seats still don't like them but anyway I'm okay Lord it's a good seat I guess I sat down before the plane went off I went to sleep and I was laying there and I don't know how long it was we were in the air and all of a sudden I felt something wet the guy next to me knocked his coke over it went all over me and I woke up and I was like wow okay you know I'm trying to and and then I thought about that prayer, and I said, so how's your day going? He goes, well, 
you know, really, truthfully, you want to know? And he started sharing with me about what was going on in his life. And I had that in my pocket. And I'd carried it for like eight or nine years. And I gave it to him. And I said, there's a little story that goes with it. It's not a lucky charm. It's not something to, to bring you good luck. It's nothing like that at all. It's just to remind you that God loves you. Sometimes we need to be reminded. And that's exactly what happened to Saul. He was encountered. He encountered a living Jesus that knocked him off of his horse. And it changed his life. And when you go through things in this life, even though Paul became a Christian, and even though he preached and he wrote all these books, and he helped us, help the people back then, he kept his eyes on the cross. He said, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Woo, way to go, Paul. What else do you need? What else do you need, brother? Huh? When you got Jesus, what else do you need? We need to see Jesus today. We need to see Jesus today. Somebody say amen. I believe that. The world can be dark. The world needs to see Jesus today. We need to hear a word from him. I believe that God has a plan for our lives. I believe he has a plan for your life. Do you know that in the world, you're the only one of you? That probably wasn't good grammar. Where's Mrs. Walton? She'll get on me about that. But really, think about it. God created you, brought you into this world for a purpose. Do you know what it is? It's to follow him, proclaim the gospel. That's the mission of this church and the body of Christ. I believe that God has a plan for our lives, and I believe that God loves you more than you know. Paul saw the light, and he did both. If you continue to read the book of Acts, I love it. I love the book of Acts. If you continue to read the book of Acts, you get on up in there about, I forget what chapter it is. It's on up around 26, I think. He's brought before a king. Paul's also a Roman citizen, so that gives him a little leadway on some things uh, whenever he was in prison. And he gets before this king, and the guy's name is King Agrippa. And Paul gets up there and he starts talking about his testimony. Everywhere he went, he preached the gospel. Do we do that? Do we do that? You know, I, uh, I read a, a, a prayer where it says, pray often and when necessary, use words. And it's the same way in our walk. It's the same way in our walk, isn't it? Where our feet trod, where we go every day. You say, well, you know, I don't have opportunity. I went to the hospital the other day. I had on a Harley Davidson shirt, and I walked in, and I'm in the elevator, and this guy goes, oh, man, how you doing? I said, I'm doing good. He said, you ride a Harley? I said, yeah. He said, wow, man, you know, blah, 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 blah. We talked for a little while. He goes, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a worship pastor. He goes, really? I said, yeah. I said, I got a biker share group at our church, told him the name of the church, invited him to come over. He was, like, blown away. How many opportunities do I miss, though? You know, it's kind of like the word of God, the scripture. When you read the Bible, you know, people say, well, I don't understand the Bible. You know what? It's not the stuff I don't understand that bothers me. It's the stuff I understand. You know what I mean? You get what I'm saying? We're told to share the gospel. And Paul did that. And the church grew. Story about the king. He told that story. And he said, King Agrippa, do you believe and, Paul, and, and Agrippa said, you know what? Almost you persuade me to be a Christian. Almost. How sad of a story is that? 
No other account of anything on that one, Lee. Never heard another story about whether he did or not. It's the best decision that I ever made in my life was to follow Jesus. I've never, ever regretted it. I've not been perfect. Amen. His grace, his mercy. His grace was, like I said, it's always been there. He loves you more than you know. Paul saw the light and he began to share it. Finally, in Acts 28, verse 30, Paul rented a place. This is how committed he was to the ministry. He rented a place to live at his own expense and for two full years and welcomed everyone who came to him. He spread the message about God's kingdom and taught very boldly about Jesus. And the thing I like about the book of Acts is that uh, it talks about these stories. It tells the good, the bad, whatever. And you see that it wasn't a perfect situation. You see that they, they went out and it wasn't like all roses and stuff. You know what I'm saying? They were confronted with troubles. And we are confronted with troubles. And there's going to be things like that from time to time. But listen to me, church. Don't you lose your focus. You keep your eyes on Jesus. Because he said he'll never leave us or forsake us. And he'll encourage you. Have you been encouraged by the Holy Spirit this week? Raise your hand. Have you? Yeah, absolutely. At times, you feel overwhelmed. You have to take a breath. And then the Lord speaks to you. I woke up the other morning at 3 o'clock in the morning, and trust me, that's about the time I'm normally going to bed because I just flip, flop, and carry on, you know? I woke up, and it was like the Lord was speaking to me and gave me some of this message to share. The story of the book of Acts is an unhindered gospel. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's an unhindered gospel. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stop it. And Paul and those guys spoke boldly, and they continued to preach the gospel, and people followed them. And you know what? If you do that, and if I do that, it'll work. Not on our ability, not on what we can do, but on what God can do. He didn't bring us this far to leave us. He didn't build his home in us to move away, and he didn't teach us to swim to let us drown. That's a song, by the way. It's a beautiful song, too. So I ask you this morning, where are you in your walk with Christ? I would be naive to stand up here and tell you that, you know, that it's all rosy with everybody in here today. You may be struggling, and I don't want to be insensitive to that. That's why we have church. That's why we come together collectively. Because you know what? We carry one another's burdens. We're not in this alone. We're here together. We love each other. Scripture says, by this they will know that you're my children because you what? Ride Harleys? Ride gold wings? Wear certain clothes? No. You will know they're children of God because they love each other. And that's why we're here today, to encourage one another. Maybe you're here today and you've never made that first step to follow Christ. I want to tell you something, man. It's the greatest joy in the world to follow him. I can't imagine not having Christ in my life to help me through those times of grace and those times of prayer. I can't imagine. Can you? I can't imagine.